So the vice president asked a Messianic Jewish rabbi to pray for the Pittsburgh synagogue massacre survivors. Was that a big error on his part? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, I'm, I'm sitting here smiling, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you why. Well, I'm always smiling, always uh, blessed to be doing radio, always full of joy as I do it. But but uh, I, I introduced it, that little tease you just heard about Mike Pence and the Messianic Jewish Rabbi. I'm actually talking about that tonight on our Jewish outreach broadcast, The Real Messiah. I've got our whole team with all the graphics ready. I said, time out time out. That is for tonight. Yeah, I've been traveling, got back in last night, travel back out tomorrow night. Uh, always moving, always active. Wrote an article that you can read on the stream, stream.org, ask, asking the question, did uh, Vice President Mike Pence, did he ask a fake rabbi, as the media is saying, a fake rabbi, as some of the Jewish community are saying, did he ask a fake rabbi to pray for the survivors, the families of the victims in the synagogue slaughter, tragic slaughter? When we talk about those things, no, there's no joy. There's just sadness and pain. I've got an article about it. You can read my article on stream.org. You can watch or listen to tonight's broadcast, our Real Messiah Jewish Outreach broadcast, which you can watch on our Facebook page, Ask Dr. Brown, or our YouTube page, Ask Dr. Brown. But tonight, today, today, a totally different subject. I planned to talk about this and then just got switched in the midst of doing radio interviews and other things. I, I got unintentionally switched in my thinking. So here's what we're talking about today. Here is where we're going on today's line of fire. Are you ready? <clears throat> and the number to call to interact with me is 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. We're going to talk about Jezebel in the Bible. We're going to talk about the manifestations of Jezebel today, meaning whatever demonic powers were behind her, whatever demonic work came through her. What similar things are happening today? What types of spiritual battles are we encountering today compared to back in the days of Ahab and Jezebel and in the days of Jesus speaking to the church in the book of Revelation in the second chapter? So we're going to talk about Jezebel, okay, in the Bible, and then what she brought, what she's identified with and similar types of satanic spiritual battles today, because it was Satan working through her 3,000 plus years ago. It's, it's Satan working through people today. It's Satan trying to attack us. Same devil, same deceiver, same destroyer, same seducer. All right, so Jezebel, the battle with the prophets, and then where Donald Trump Fits in with all these. Donald, Donald Trump, how does he come in? Oh, you'll understand. Now, phone lines are open. I'm totally happy to talk to you about midterms, 
evangelicals voting, the importance of our vote. I'm totally happy to talk with you if you are a Trump supporter or if you're a Trump basher. I'm totally happy to talk with you. If you disagree with some of my theological stance as they work out politically, happy to talk to you. And the phone lines are just open right now, and we'll see what calls we get to. 866-34-TRUTH. So let, let's go back in the Bible, all right? Let's go back in the Bible and think about this woman, Jezebel. Who was she? Well, we know her as the wife of King Ahab. And although politically and in the history of Israel, Ahab seemed to be a strong political leader. In other ways, he seems to be thoroughly emasculated by Jezebel. Now, she was the daughter of a Phoenician king. So she was a pagan woman marrying into Israel explicitly against the commands of God. Solomon broke that command as well with his wives. But that that was forbidden for all Israelites. How much more for a king? And According to Josephus, first century Jewish historian, her father was also the high priest of Baal, Baal. So not only were they idol worshipers, they were zealous idol worshipers, according to Josephus. And there's even the speculation that Jezebel would have been the high priestess. So here you have potentially a high priestess for Baal, for Baal, marrying the king of Israel and northern Israel is already compromised, already mixed with idolatry. So she helps drag Israel down. Now, what is what is she known for explicitly in Scripture? She is known for killing the prophets. First Kings eighteen, she killed the prophets. She is known for encouraging the idol worshiping prophets, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. So of, of male gods, these false gods, and female deities, these idols. So she encouraged that they ate at her table, which doesn't have to be literal, would mean at the very least that she paid their salary. She, she supplied their needs. So they were court prophets, false prophets, idolatrous prophets. Okay, there's more. There's more. She also intimidates she brings fear with her. We know in 1 Kings 19, after Elijah kills all of her false prophets and calls down fire from heaven and the Lord is glorified as the only true God, she's, she threatens to kill Elijah and he gets up and runs. This great man of God, this powerful man of God gets up and runs. So she, she has an intimidating, fear-breeding presence. Not only so, she's associated with seduction. We read in 2 Kings 9, we read about her seductions, about her fornications, al- along with her witchcraft. And here she is, an older woman. But when Jehu, who's, who's now the new zealous leader who's going to exterminate the, the house of Ahab, basically, and kill Jezebel, that he's now the new man in Israel, so full of zeal, but overdoing things, full of zeal for Yahweh's cause, but overzealous and killing many in the process. So... When she sees him, she paints her face. In other words, hey, another, another leader to seduce. So she's a seducer. And, and we know, for example, from Numbers 25, that there's often a, a great, great connection between sexual immorality and idolatry. You find it commonly in biblical history, Israel judged for immorality and idolatry. 
You find it often that that as people get away from the one true God and go to idols, that with that immediately is the catering to the flesh and immorality, sexual sin. So we see it exemplified in Jezebel, a seductress on the one hand and bringing Israel into idolatry on the other hand. Then in the New Testament in Revelation 2, Jesus has strong words for one of the seven congregations in Asia Minor. And he says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. So there is the self-exalting false spirituality. That's one thing. God didn't call her a prophetess. She did. She called herself a prophetess. Was her name actually Jezebel? It would be ironic if it was. But it could well be that Jesus is referring to her in that way by means of prophetic rebuke. You are just like that wicked woman of old. And what does she do? She seduces God's servants into sexual immorality. Same thing. And that's probably why the Lord called her Jezebel. She seduces God's servants into sexual immorality and and she leads them to offer food sacrifice to idols, which done knowingly and willingly was a compromise. As opposed to if food is served to you and you have no idea it was sacrificed to an idol, you sit down at someone's home and they serve you food, you have no idea. It's just food. It doesn't touch you. It's just food. It goes in your body, goes out of your body. But if you know and understand that it's sacrificed to idols and you partake in that willingly, especially in the presence of heathen and defile their consciences on top of it, they say, hey, this food was sacrificed to an idol. And you say, okay, great, let's eat it. Now you've defiled that person's con- conscience as well. This, this was a violation. So... This is who Jezebel was in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and then the woman called by that name in the New Testament. What I want to suggest to you and lay out is that the same demonic forces, the same satanic forces that are at work in ancient Israel, that were at work in New Testament times, are at work today. I think that's a a pretty non-controversial statement. Would you agree? Well, I mean... Everyone's going to find it controversial if they don't agree with the Bible. But if you believe the Bible is God's word and and Satan is still active in the earth today, then it makes sense that the same tactics he used in the past, he's using today. And, And I see in many ways what you would call a similar type of thing, this Jezebelian type thing. Whether that's just how we describe it, whether it's the name of some demonic power, you know, just like the angels, their names, there's Michael and there's Gabriel and things like that. And there's certain demonic spirits that are associated with deafness or sickness, or is that the way they operate always? I mean, those are questions that can be asked, but here's, here's the way I'm explaining it. All right. When you go to a doctor, you give the doctor all your symptoms and the doctor says, Oh, you have this, it's going around. These are the exact symptoms. When did you first feel it? Ah, yeah, exactly. You're in the worst part of it. Three days, it's going to be gone. They look at the symptoms, all right? Over my 46, almost 47 years in the Lord now, there have been times when I have had intense spiritual battle with demonic forces where I recognize there's something unusual is going on. I, I don't look for the devil. I don't think about the devil. I look for the Lord. I think about the Lord. I honor the Lord. He's the king. He's the ruler. Jesus is Lord. That's where my focus is, all right? There are times, though, when I realize, ah, that we're going through a real intense satanic battle here. We're going through a, a, a real, uh, the, you know, Satan's really coming to try to tempt or to try to, to try to attack or try to destroy. 
and you realize there's an unusual season. And, and, and most of us can relate to that well. A couple of times in my life, I've gone through that and recognized that is very much like Jezebel. In other words, that same satanic activity that was involved then is involved now. Those same strategies, those same types of attacks. And when I've gone through that, it's only a couple of times very intensely over the years in the Lord. It, it has this, uh, this intimidating effect, this, this bringing fear effect, this emasculating effect, this, this attack on any type of prof- prophetic word to, to call for repentance and to go against the grain and to, to be God's vessel to speak. What I want to posit to you today is that those forces, those satanic forces that we could call, quote, Jezebel, in other words, just like back then, they're super active in America today. I believe I have evidence for it. And how's that tie in with Donald Trump? Stay tuned. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. So, so what, do, what do I mean when I talk about encountering Jezebel? Do I mean that the woman from the Bible is alive today? No, no. Do, do I mean that there is a demon that in the spirit world is named Jezebel? Who, who knows what demons are named? We know one was called Legion, right? Sec, uh, excuse me, Mark, the, the fifth chapter, when Jesus says, what's your name? He says, Legion, because we're many. So Legion of, in the Roman army would be a couple thousand people, you know, a large number of people, whatever the exact number was. Uh, is there a demon by the name of Jezebel? Could be. Could be. That's utterly immaterial to me. All I'm saying is the same demonic forces that worked a certain way through her. She did what she did. She was responsible for her evil actions. And she was a worshiper of this false god, Baal, Baal, a fertility god. She was a worshiper of that god and perhaps even a high priestess of that false god, that that idol. So whatever satanic forces operated through her are still operating today. And when we see those characteristics, we can identify that immediately as, ah, that's just like Jezebel. All right. So that's what I'm saying. Whether there's a demon by that name is not the issue. Whether there's a principality by that name and Satan's army is not the issue. The issue is there are certain characteristics of the way the enemy works at different times. And he may have demonic forces that specialize in those particular things or have certain roles, just like we have certain roles in the body, just like there are roles in the army or roles in a company. So we see from Ephesians 6 that that Satan's army is well organized and laid out. And I'm sure different ones have different assignments. All right. So what else do we know about the worship of Baal in the ancient world? Well, we know that in some cases that that children were offered to these idols. Molech, for example, Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 19 mentioned that. So, so parents would offer up their babies, offer up their children, little children, babies. They'd offer them up to these false idols. 
And many have said it's the same spirit today with the offering up of our babies. For, for a lot of women, this is not to condemn everyone that's had an abortion and received forgiveness and mercy from God. But a lot of women, abortion is just method of birth control. You can go over to Ukraine and Russia, former Soviet Union, and meet quite a few women that have had four, five, six, seven abortions, just birth control. I interviewed a woman who's a strong pro-life leader today, and she said when she got pregnant as a teenager, she fully planned. She got pregnant, she had an abortion. Now, for many others, it's a difficult decision for other reasons, but that same thing, sexual immorality, what do you do? Abort the baby. And here, here, Parents may be having children that they're glad to have that child, but in devotion to this idol, sacrifice the babies. Boom. They were doing that. And certainly we can think that these type of atrocities could well have happened in the days of Ahab and Jezebel. You say, okay, well, what's that got to do with America? Well, let's take a look first. First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18 This is after Elijah has said there's going to be no dew or no rain in Israel except according to my word, right? So 1 Kings 18, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So it's the third year now there's been no dew, no rain, so there's famine. This is life and death now. The word came to him saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, the capital of northern Israel. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So the, the prophets were in hiding because of Jezebel. All right. And what was she involved in? She was, verse four, she was cutting off the prophets. She was killing off the prophets. And ultimately, Elijah is sent and, and he, he sees Obadiah and he tells Obadiah, I'm going to present myself to, to your master, to Ahab today. And Obadiah's like, they've been looking all over for you. If they find you, they're going to kill you. Now I'm going to get killed because I'm going to say Elijah's here. And by the time I get here, you're gone. He goes, no, no, I'll be here. Now, you know what ensues? He has the great confrontation on Mount Carmel. The 850 false prophets, 450 and 400 prophets of Baal and Asher, all part of of. Queen Jezebel's enclave, all right? They all gather together and they try to call down fire from heaven and they can't do it. And Elijah does it with a short prayer because he does it in obedience to God. It's an extraordinary thing. It's a miraculous thing. It's one of the great miracles of the Old Testament, one of the great divine interventions in the Hebrew scriptures. And and Elijah calls down fire from heaven and then kills all the false prophets. Does he do it with his own hand or does he have people doing it with him? It says that he's responsible for killing the 850 prophets of Jezebel. And then rain is now going to come. So God's demonstrated who he is. The people fall down and worship him. They've been so double-minded that minutes before that they couldn't even do it. Now they fall down and worship him. Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. And now as a result of that, rain comes down from heaven. And look at 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Maybe he even said it like, wow, you should have seen it. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid or it could read in Hebrew. Then he saw and he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Jude and left his servant there. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, it's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm no better than my fathers. Isn't that amazing? He has this extraordinary prophetic victory, one of the great demonstrations of God's power in the Bible. He cuts down the false prophets and then Jezebel scares him and he's ready to run and die. Run for his life and God, I'm done. Now, often after a great mountaintop victory in the Lord, after a great spiritual experience, often after a great breakthrough, there is a pushback, there's an attack. All my pastor friends, traveling minister friends, have you ever had it that you have one of the great nights of ministry in your life and immediately after that you, you get attacked? You, you know, you go back to your hotel room and think, oh man, I'm just going to enjoy this victory. Next thing you get harassed and attacked and feel the spiritually negative demonic presence or, or after a great breakthrough in your church or ministry, the next weeks after that, it's like all hell breaks loose against you. These things really happen. We're not imagining them. This is often a real battle in the spiritual realm. So I, I see these very same forces at work today in a pronounced way in America, which I'm going to break down for you in a moment. And, and they tie in as well with Donald Trump. Now, am I saying because Donald Trump is so godly and so full of the Holy Spirit and so much like Jesus that Satan's trying to hit back? No, no, no. That's not my point. That's not my point. But I will get to it. Donald Trump is the alpha male versus Jezebel. I'll, I'll explain this. This is going to make sense to you in a moment. And uh, I, I want to talk to you about an experience I had in India that was very intense spiritually. And, and that ties in directly with this same type of taking on this Jezebelic type of satanic opposition and resistance. Now, can I please say something? Can I make this appeal? Be very careful. I've said this for many, many years. Be very careful about calling people Jezebel. Be very careful. I have seen, I've seen it over the years, years back that, that, and it, it happens more times than it should, that maybe you have a, a real anointed woman in your midst, godly, honors the Lord, submitted to authority, but really anointed and used powerfully by God. And it makes an insecure leader uh, uh, more insecure. And well, she's just a Jezebel trying to take over and, and you crush someone. Or it could be a, a, a man who, who is not like this super, you know, macho, real tough guy. You know, he's a quiet, strong, oh, he's just like an Ahab and he's under the spell of Jezebel. You got to be careful with that stuff. I, listen, I've been around. I've seen people destroyed. We're talking about demonic forces. We're not talking about people. All those demonic forces can work through people. The good news is Jesus is Lord. The good news is we have a place of refuge in God. The good news is in him, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. And right now, I want to ask you to join with me as a prayer team. I've heard from a religious Jewish man, or a rabbi of a particular sect within Judaism. He has recently come to faith. He lives outside of America. He lives in a very difficult country outside America. He has recently come to faith and has been in touch with me and is going through crazy attacks, physical attacks, 
attacks of, of finances stolen from him by a friend. I mean, life savings, car wreck with his family. And this is shortly after coming to faith. Would you just agree with me in prayer? So much is happening that is so unusual. It's clear to me that he's under satanic attack. Would you pray with me right now? Father, in Yeshua's name, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We intercede on his behalf. And as your people, we rebuke the forces of darkness seeking to attack and destroy him and his family. We proclaim your lordship over his life, that you are a shield all about him. As we submit to God in intercession on his behalf, as we submit to you, we stand together with him, resisting the enemy who must flee in Jesus' name. Amen, friends. This is real stuff. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, a a quick shout out to the critics, to the skeptics, to the cynics, even to the mockers. You're going to get a lot of good sound bites from me right now, okay? We'll we'll keep you in business with your your videos and articles for the next month with this, all right? So just want to give a shout out and a heads up to the cynics, the critics, the skeptics, the mockers. You're going to get some good sound bites in the moments ahead. Hey, friends, welcome to the line of fire. This is Michael Brown. Number to call the way in 866-348-7884. Are you ready? Are you ready for the first soundbite for the cynics, skeptics, mockers, critics? I have battled Jezebel. Uh-huh. What do I mean? The, the the wicked queen in the Bible? No, no, no. Uh, someone impersonating her today? No, no, no. What I mean, and I said it in a way to get your attention, is that there have been times in my life where I came against real satanic opposition. And I want to say again, my focus is not on a big bad devil. My focus is on a great, wonderful, awesome God. I don't think about the devil a lot. I don't talk to the devil much in terms of rebuking him. There are times when I take my stand and rebuke powers of darkness in Jesus' name with the authority that we have in the Lord, not our own authority, but the authority we have in Jesus by his spirit. But my focus is on the Lord, walking with him, knowing him, magnifying him. And I am conscious of being blessed. I am conscious of being covered. I am conscious of being protected. I I am conscious of being loved. I'm conscious of being chosen. That's what I walk in. That's the that's like the the holy bubble that I walk in on a daily basis as the enemy tries to attack. And I have my shield of faith up, trusting in God and his power at work in me and for his purposes. But I recognize there's a devil out there. First Peter 5 says that the Satan, the devil, walks about, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for those he can devour. You say, well... He's had his teeth taken out. What, does he gum people to death? Is that how he, he gums them to death? Is that what he does? No, he still destroys. His, his power has been broken by the cross, but he's still active in this world. 
We have authority over him in Jesus' name, but he's still evidently active. So there are aspects in which Satan attacks or his principalities or powers, demons attack that are very much like the attack that came through Jezebel in the Bible. It's emasculating. It takes away your sense of authority. It tries to seduce. It tries to silence. These are the things that were associated with Jezebel in the Bible. 1989, my first book on repentance and revival came out. You could say in that sense, the first prophetic book I had written, meaning a wake-up call to the church, a call to repentance with a promise of revival. And immediately after the book came out, it's like all hell broke loose against Nancy and me. It wasn't a person. It was the enemy. It was Satan trying to attack. And I remember, th- wow, I, I feel emasculated. What in the world's going on? I feel it's so difficult to, to bring words with authority in the Lord. Uh, there was this constant attack on us and, and, and this intimidating fear, which of course is based in a lie. And it, it was months of hours and hours of prayer and then finally fasting and the thing was broken. And then, oh, about five, six years later, I was ministering in India with my dear friend, Yesu Padam. And he was praying with me and he was in the States and we were planning out a trip. It was going to be there for a month. Nancy was going to be with me. And he said, brother, in prayer, I saw us going to Vijayawada. It is, it is the, the great spiritual stronghold, the center of spiritual center of Andhra Pradesh, the state of Andhra, state of over 60 million people, I think at that point. And he said, in that city, they worship Kanaka Durga, Kanaka Durga, which was the, the most esteemed goddess in the Hindu world in Andhra Pradesh. He said, she has a giant temple there. And, and I feel we need to go and confront and I said, brother, I feel the dude as well. He said, in, in, in my spirit, I saw like an earthquake shaking the place. So we went. And the first night I felt led by the Lord to do this. I felt prompted by God to do this. And, I, I, and we had a sound system going all through the, the, the neighborhood there and a big field for the crowds to come. And I said, tomorrow night, we're going to ask, who is the true God? Yahweh, the God of Israel or Kanaka Durga? Who is the real God? We're going to ask that question. And if you are a devotee of, of Kanaka Durga, if you are a, a Hindu priest, if you're a worshiper of Kanaka Durga, I want you to come. And Yesupadam translated for me thinking, oh boy, what are we asking for? This is crazy. And I didn't do it presumptuously because I knew when we leave, we're going to have the, the people still there, the Christians still there. And I'm, I'm going to get your phones, your, your calls shortly, but I want to lay this out. In the days leading up to those meetings, I felt this extreme satanic attack coming against me again. I felt, and friends, you talk to missionaries who've served around the world, they'll tell you demonic powers are real. And I felt, wow, this is reminiscent of what I felt late 89, early 90, this emasculating thing, this thing bringing fear, this thing bringing intimidation. It felt just like that same kind of Jezebel symptom. So I said to Yesupadam, I said, what's the statue like? in the temple for Kanaka Durga. And he said, brother, she's like a warrior woman with multiple hands. And one, she's holding the head of the, the giant that she killed. I thought that sounds like Jezebel, doesn't it? And, and then he said, it's really strange, but once a year, her worshipers, her male worshipers dress as women and wear makeup. But isn't that wild? 
And by the way, we had a glorious night and preached the word and declared by the word, the one true God. And you may worship Kanaka Durga up on this mountain, but Yahweh made the mountain in the midst of making the earth, in the midst of making the universe and declared him as the one true God and, and then gave an altar call for people to repent, turn away from their idols. And it, it was dramatic. And suddenly there was this man dancing in a very bizarre way and he was demonized. And Yesu Padam began to talk to him began to speak to him in Jesus' name. And the man began to shout out, Kanaka Durga is not a God. Kanaka Durga is not a God. This is not true. In other words, this demon was confessing, just as demons confessed Jesus was the son of God, but he silenced them. This demon was confessing Kanaka Durga is not a God. And not long after that, by the way, there was a minor earthquake there and it did bring some cracks in that very mountain up to the temple. In any case, what's that got to do with today? We are seeing in America the same type of satanic attack, call it Jezebel, if you will. Massive seduction through pornography on scales we've never seen before. No generation in American history has ever had to deal with spiritual attack in terms of seduction on this level. Through pornography, stuff you didn't know existed, now a child can access on a cell phone. Now, you also have with Jezebel, this child sacrificing spirit, worshiping these false deities and sacrificing babies to these deities widely practiced in the ancient world and associated with idolatry. Need I say more in terms of the battle over Roe v. Wade? We saw it in the Kavanaugh hearings, just how intense that is. And then radical feminism with its war against the male patriarchy, which is ultimately a war against men and any type of male authority. Yeah, I'm all for equal pay for women doing equal jobs. I call on men to love their wives as, as, as Christ loved the church, knowing that that in turn will bring the respect and honor from the wife. And I said, if they don't respect you and don't honor you, you love them anyways. Jesus loved the church. And that's your role. You lay down your life for them. But it's clear that God has ordained man in scripture to be the head of the home and ordain male governmental authority in the church, even in the world. That's why it's the normal pattern that you see. Jezebel hated that in the Bible. She didn't like when Ahab was weak. She was going to get what she wanted anyway. She was going to kill, do what she had to do to get it done. So we see the same kind of thing, this rage against the male authority and male patriarchy. I've written about it. It's, it's, these things go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And then the silencing of the prophetic voice. Don't you dare speak a message of repentance. Don't you, no, no, just a nice message, just a happy message, just a smiley message. You can't talk about God's honor. You can't talk about God's wrath. The silencing of that, these things all go together. Now, Donald Trump, where does he come in? Well, he's like the alpha male. You want to talk about the ultimate one that Jezebel is going to hate, all right, if you go into biblical days or something. It is, it is an alpha male like Donald Trump. You say, do you like everything he does? No, of course not. He's an alpha male with all the rough spots of an alpha male. He's a wrecking ball that swings in multiple directions. That's why my book shouts to the world, he's not my savior, but he is my president. He's not my savior, but he is my president. So this is now bringing up on the other side. Donald Trump has brought to the surface the intensity of the anger of the pro-abortion movement, the intensity the anger of the radical feminist movement. He's brought this stuff up to the surface. No, I'm not saying he's doing it as a godly man. 
I'm not saying he's doing it because he's so full of the Holy Spirit or like Jesus. I'm saying that his type of personality brings this stuff up to the surface. And God, who is God overall, is working these things out. God, who is the king, is bringing all this stuff up to the surface. And who is it ultimately in the Bible that, that kills Jezebel? It's Jehu. So in 2 Kings, the ninth chapter, Jehu, who's a Donald Trump kind of figure, this alpha male with lots of rough edges. So zealous, zealous for the work of the Lord on the one hand, but going overboard on the other hand. So Jehu does a lot of good and sheds more blood than he needed to shed. And there's a certain parallel with him and with Donald Trump, if you get, get my gist. So here, 2 Kings 9, verse 30, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. She's still trying to seduce. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, is it peace, you Zimri, murder of your master? So Zimri was a former Israelite king that, that got to the throne by violence and was, was in and out quickly. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses and they trampled on her. All right. And then dogs go and eat her body. It's a gory scene. So it's eunuchs, people who are literally emasculated, men who were castrated. They finally rise up against Jehu and uh, against Jezebel and throw her out. Now, I'm not talking about killing people. I'm not talking about killing people today. And I'm not talking about calling people Jezebel. I'm saying this is the spiritual battle we're in today. It is carrying all the symptoms of Jezebel, the emasculating, the fear bringing, the seductive, the, the radical child sacrificing, the rage against male authority. Boom, here it is. And someone like Donald Trump brings it all up to the surface. Pretty wild, huh? We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Hey, a reminder if you're enjoying my book, Donald Trump is not my savior and evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports as president. If you're enjoying the book, post a review on Amazon, maybe tell your friends on social media, Hey, get this book. I'm really enjoying it. The more people we can get to read it before the midterms, the better, the more we'll have a good spiritual perspective and know how to vote for policy. Even if we don't always agree with personality how we'll recognize how we can vote for someone as president without worshiping at that person's altar. So encourage other friends to get it. And one request from the heart, all of you who enjoy the radio broadcast, all of you who are blessed watching on Facebook or YouTube, if you could help us as we come towards the end of the year with a, with a one-time gift, that would be tremendous. Uh, we do what we do by faith we make sure that we have the funds to pay the radio bills so that we can be on to broadcast for you. But if we're being a blessing to you, you in turn could help us take some of this pressure off our shoulders. We know there's so many of you that we minister to. We hear from you all the time. If you could help us with a one-time gift, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, it would be much appreciated. It would alleviate some pressure and help us to 
expand into many of the things we know the Lord is calling us to step into. If you want to become a monthly supporter, better still, if you feel what we're doing is worth a dollar a day or more for you, become a monthly supporter, a torchbearer, and and just go there. There's a video. We tell you all the benefits, all the things that come your way as a torchbearer, because we're determined to pour back into you and invest in you so you can make a difference for the Lord in your own home, in, in your family, in your place of business, in your congregation, in America, and around the world. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Russell in Virginia. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. How are you today? Doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, listening to what you were saying, and I agree with uh, a lot of what you're saying. Uh, what you were talking about before of uh, uh, spiritual attacks are, yeah. are true. Uh, they happen uh, just before a victory. Just before a breakthrough, just after a victory, and uh, when uh, uh, something good is getting ready to happen in your life to cause you to doubt um, or to lose faith, to lose hope, uh, and to not do God's work. Uh, so those really happen, and the fact that you've experienced it uh, validates that. Um, the other aspect of uh, uh, Jezebel uh, I agree that uh, a lot of that stuff, because Satan is active in the world today, and in politics and religion, uh, to steer people astray, uh, is happening. Um, I don't agree with you in a lot of what you say uh, regarding uh, the Trump administration. Uh, I agree mm-hmm. that he is our president. But in the aspect where you're looking at him as being an alpha male, I look more in line with um, where the Bible says that uh, people will accept the lie instead of truth. And in a lot of uh, things that he says with uh, fake news and things like that brings to uh, identification of that there is a lot of misinformation out there. Right, but 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 yeah, but hang on, hang on one second. Just just hang on one. Right, well, no one, no one's arguing with. Well, I'm not arguing with that. Many a time, right, right. But an alpha male, an alpha male can be good or bad. Vladimir Putin is an alpha male, right? So there's, I I think there's little disagreement that he is that type of guy, that that he has to be the strongest and the biggest and the best and 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 the toughest and all of this. And you, you oh, have others, you know, for, for, for example, Jimmy Carter as a Sunday school teacher and, you know, had many good qualities, but he was, he was the opposite of an alpha male in, in that regard. So yeah, an alpha male, I, I would think if, if you describe Donald Trump to me, I would say, yeah, that's an alpha male, be it for good or bad. As I've said though, repeatedly, I voted for him, I'd vote for him again, but as a wrecking ball, he, he does a lot of good. The wrecking ball swings one way and it demolishes, you know, some really yeah, ugly stuff, and then it swings back. Hand. It swing. It swings back the other way. It's like, oh, that it did some damage in the process. So I, I believe that in terms of keeping campaign promises that are important to evangelicals, he's lived up to our expectations, if not exceeded them. In terms of being a divisive figure who can even vulgarize a nation, he's lived up to our fears. So it's been it's been both both ways, sir. But yeah, I, I want to go back to a key thing you said about spiritual attacks. Think think to Jesus coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, right? So Matthew seventeen, Mark nine, and Luke nine. One of the greatest experiences 
on the earth that he ever had. Maybe the highlight when he's transfigured in, in eyes of his disciples and they see his glory. He comes down from there and there's controversy and swirling around and you're, why your disciples couldn't drive the demon out of this boy. And, the, and that's when he comes down. You come down from the mountaintop of meeting with God and communion with God and amazing worship and being in his presence and enveloped in his word and embraced by his love. And you walk out of that and there's chaos in the church and there's demonic attack. That's what often happens. But the good news is the mountaintops make us ready for the valleys and the battles. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go over to Eugene in Oklahoma. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. It's nice to speak to you again, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. So uh, so my question, and um, I'm just really, really sincere about this because I, I love the Lord and I love people. And um, it was really powerful when you gave your testimony about when you were in India and you basically encountered uh, a false god. And this morning I was just reading in the early on in the book of Matthew how Christ says in Matthew 5, we're called to be the salt of the earth, we're called to stand out in the darkness. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a call to action that when I see that there's such great evil in the world, we're actually, as Christians, we're called to do something about it in love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I try to step out, um, or like when I just try to confide in the Lord, my mind is often heavily attacked. I'm, I have no real interest in, in sin, so like Satan never really tries to tip me too much. Like that's not really, um, of course, no, no man's perfect, but that's not really something that I'm interested in. I'm just not really interested in what the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. But my mind often does come against like spiritual demonic attack, and I can recognize that. And I'm just wondering... When you're in India and you're surrounded by nothing but evil, nothing but darkness, how was it that you're able to stand? Like, how do you, how, how can someone like me stand and have faith when the world around me and everything in me is basically telling me not to? Yeah. Like, yes, sir. My question, like, how do you, how does one truly have faith in the Lord? In the Lord, because we need that in order, to, in order to do anything, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, num- number one, uh, I don't want to get ready when I get to India. In other words, I want my walk with the Lord to have been a solid walk with the Lord as a lifestyle. And I want to have been prayed up in that respect or fasted before getting there. That's the first thing. The second thing is when there is spiritual attack, when it's protracted, I'll spend much more time in prayer on a daily basis. And I am Pentecostal charismatic. I pray often in tongues. Uh, So I will pray in the spirit for extended periods of time. I will, I will meditate on promises from God that, that he's my place of refuge. I will consciously seek to take refuge in him and be with him. I will surround myself with, with worship and adoration and, and, and music that will get my head, my heart, my mind in a certain place. So I want to live in that as much as I can and then come from there with authority in Jesus' name against these powers. And sometimes there's been dramatic breakthrough. I mean, after prayer fasting that I felt this authority and I've taken dominion in Jesus name over the satanic force. We, we don't take over people and people's lives, but we have authority over Satan. Luke 10, 19, Matthew 28, 18, make this clear. So in Jesus name, take authority over this. And I've seen it break. I've, I've seen the thing break. I've seen change come. And other times it just goes on and on and on. So I have to put my roots down deeper in God more time in prayer, more meditation in scripture, more confessing the word, more just refusing to yield to the thoughts in the mind, more worship, and then sometimes fasting as well is the necessary key to see the breakthrough. 
You keep growing in those ways, Eugene. I believe you'll see more and more victory and dominion in your own life. Hey, thanks for the call. All right, let's try to get to another call or two. Sean in Texas. Nope, Sean's gone. Uh, all right, Mike, I don't know where you are, but uh, instead of putting up the place name, they put up Jezebel. So I know you don't live in a place called Jezebel, but wherever you are, it's a question about Jezebel. So go ahead. Yeah, uh, Providential, I've been teaching through the book Revelation, just taught on that. What are your thoughts about Gary DeMar's feeling that Jezebel there is referring to the Judaizers seducing the early Christians to go back to the old covenant system uh, and and just not leave that behind, but to continue in, in that? Yeah, Dr. DeMar is, is a serious student of the Word. We had a friendly debate a few years ago. So in the midst of differing with him, I know he studied a lot. I say that to say that's the most impossible interpretation of the text that I can imagine. So he he must have more reasons for suggesting that than, than you would think. But if you're representing it accurately, uh, no, the text is the exact opposite. The, teaching the people to eat food sacrificed to idols, that'd be the exact opposite of what a so-called Judaizer would teach lead them into sexual immorality? That would be the exact opposite of what a so-called Judaizer would teach. So I don't care if there was a list of scholars that held to that view, which I would seriously question. Uh, No, there's zero, uh, less than zero support for that. Where there was Jewish opposition to the gospel in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, Jesus could well be speaking to Jewish people there that claim to be Jews but are not. In other words, you're claiming to be Jews, but the way you're acting is totally contrary to the way you should act as Jews by opposing the Messianic message. Or they could have been people who weren't Jews at all. But Jezebel being Judaizers there? No. No, no, no. Absolutely not. 